Tonight's scripture reading is from John 14, 23 through 29. Jesus said, If a man loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I go away and I will come to you. If you love me, you, will have, you, will, you would have rejoiced because I go to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. The word of the Lord. When we were kids, me and my brother Mike divided up the world. We could not have or like or want the same things. We divided everything. He was older, so he got Batman. I had to take Robin, which still kind of irks me because, like, what does Robin do? Nothing. I fared better, better with other superheroes. Of course, he got Superman, but I tried to convince myself that I didn't really want Superman. He was too much of a good citizen for me. I took Aquaman. He seemed a little more subversive. I tried to ignore the voice in the back of my head that kept saying, his superpower is he can swim like a fish? What kind of power is that? Well, it's better than Robin's. Robin's superpower is like, exclamation? <laughs> Favorite color was another thing we had to come to some terms with. I remember it was like an official meeting. When I was eight and he was nine, we sat on our swings and discussed all the colors one by one, pointing out their virtues and their failings. Red? Red. Red is cool. It's like fast. Red is really, really fast. And it's the color of blood. Yeah, cool. Um, brown? Brown is like poop. Oh, yeah, brown is like poop. And dirt and boogers. Nuh-uh, Mike said. Boogers are green. No, they're not, I said. Boogers are yellow. There was a debate, but Mike granted me that they were mostly yellow, which I was glad because I had already decided to pick green as my favorite color, and I didn't both want, I both didn't want to let him know I wanted green for fear he would take it, nor did I want green to be deemed the booger color because then I couldn't have taken it at all. It came down to, um, it came down to what there were more of in the world. Mike held that there was more blue in the world than any other color, pointed out that the sky was blue, the oceans were blue, and I was quite happy with green, noting that plants, trees, grass, and though I didn't say it out loud, I thought a lot of the oceans and lakes looked pretty green to me. Over the years, we divided up almost everything we came across. Trees. He took conifers. I took deciduous. <laughs> Metals. Him ferrous. Me non-ferrous. Hemispheres. Mike southern. Me northern. Me dogs. Mike cats. Me trucks. Mike cars. Me helicopter. Mike jets. Me chicken. Mike beef. Me nails, Mike screws, me the who, Mike the Rolling Stones, Mike Me Minneapolis, me St. Paul, Mike blondes, me brunettes. This list is endless, 
but I will end the with the summarizing choices. Mike apples, me oranges. Things were not just different from one another. Things were in opposition to one another. One was better than the other. One was wrong and bad. The other was right and good. Namely, Aquaman, green, deciduous trees, non-ferrous metals, the northern hemisphere, dogs, trucks, chickens, the who, St. Paul, brunettes, and oranges. I could never bring myself to put Robin on my list. While this seems like healthy childhood differentiation, Mike and I were just a year and a week apart, and we often consider, and we often consider together. So I can understand why we divided up the world. But I will confess that this oppositional worldview did not end with my childhood. I grew up in a culture and a culture of faith that seemed to support this worldview, a culture where one thing was better than the other. Additionally, the way I experienced it, it was a culture that valued choosing one over the other, knowing where I stood. I always knew and always knew why. Punk's good, hippie's bad. And I can tell you why. The city is better than the suburbs, of course. Solid reasons I'm talking about. I can give you research to prove the point. Another plank in my platform I picked up at an early age, a preference for the minority opinion. This could go back to the whole Superman-Aquaman decision. It could be a result of Mike always getting to choose first, so he got the most popular choices, so I was left with the least popular choices and convinced myself that that was better. I was always a Pepsi drinker until the great Pepsi Challenge era of the early 80s. I took the Pepsi Challenge and along with many other Americans, um, like most Americans in that blind taste test, I chose Pepsi. At first I felt vindicated. I pointed out to Mike, a Coke drinker, that I was right, that even he chose Pepsi. Everybody chose Pepsi. My elation though quickly turned to despair. I felt common. I never drank Pepsi again. <laughs> I switched to Coke. Mike switched to Pepsi. I'm even now struggling with so many bands that I like. I think they're obscure, I find them, and then everybody starts liking them, and I just have to give them up, even though I really like the music. When I was in ninth grade, I found myself in a situation that required me to make these either-or choices about uh, thi things that I had never heard of before at near lightning speed. I went on a three-month mission trip with a group called Teen Missions International. I joined a team that was going to evangelize the wild and uncharted mission fields of England. <laughs> the whole organization was filled with 15-year-old dogmaticians. They would argue and take positions on everything. My first day there, this kid from Pennsylvania Eric Vanderveen asked me if I was pre-trib or post-trib. I said I was Minneapolis trib. <laughs> but apparently there was no, this was not a laughing matter um, to a 15-year-old. The big issue was the Holy Spirit, particularly the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The question was, does the Holy Spirit still give the gift of healing and of prophecy and of tongues? Speaking in tongues, that was a big one. Or were the gifts of the Spirit for another dispensation? I, after hearing all the arguments, came down on the no gifts side. What was decisive for me was not really the various arguments, but the prospect of having to take seriously the prophecies of Eric Vanderveen. 
That and maybe the fact that the leaders and the majority of the people on my team were in the speaking in tongues camp. There was um, also not infrequent binding of the devil and casting out of the devil. A lot of feeling the presence of the spirit. Surely the spirit of the Lord is in this place. Was very popular. And can you feel the spirit? I can really feel the spirit. I was always there with oppositional, irreverent remarks. I think I just felt the spirit grab my ass. Uh, then it would be pointed out that I had blasphemed the Holy Spirit, which is the unpardonable sin. So I was a non-tongue-speaking, not-spirit-feeling, unpardonable orange eater. There was this one guy from Houston, Jeff Davis, that I was kind of friends with because um, he liked Bob Dylan, and uh, he didn't like sports, and so we kind of got along. But he was very much a tongue speaker, devil caster, outer, which became problematic for me. After about a month into the trip at night, he would start wailing and thrashing around in his bed, calling my name, going, Russell, Russell, I need you. And I would jump out of my bunk and run over to him, and he would say, like, he's in me, man, help me. The first time I told him I was going to get the team leader, and he went, hey man, don't do that. (laughs) And he kept on, so I'm like, Jeff, I'm going to get Dave. And he said, come on, please don't. Just pray over me. Cast him out. And he was kind of scaring me, but I said, no, no, I cannot do that. And he said, okay, well, let's just go outside for a walk then. See if that'll help. I think with demon possession, a brisk walk generally helps. Um... So I said, okay, and we went out and we sat on the bank of this canal and he would like cry on my shoulder and tell me how he was like abused and that all this horrible stuff happened to me, happened to him and he would tell me things like he can see the devil in the bushes watching us like right now and I was 15 and it really freaked me out. He did this night after night, the same thing. I would start to avoid him, but he said he needed me. So every night we would go sit on the canal bank and for hours he would cry and he would see the devil and tell me stuff that was just too much for me to deal with. One night in the midst of him hugging me and crying on me, he said, don't turn around. The devil is right behind us. Russell, don't turn around. He's coming towards us. He's getting closer. I was so freaked out and sleep deprived. I felt like I was going to snap, like I was going to lose it. I looked up and I saw this train going by across the canal, and I said an almost involuntary prayer. I prayed in my head, God, man, if you do not do something about this guy, this situation, by the time that train goes by, I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to freak out. I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. The train passed, and I felt like I saw heaven open up, and I felt this tingling in my toes, and it traveled up through my body and came out my mouth. I was speaking in tongues. Jeff was as surprised as I was and he got off me and came to himself. And the next day he told all the other tongue speakers that I had been baptized by the Holy Spirit and everyone started wanting to pray with me and to speak in tongues with me. But I wasn't really into it. I was still in the non-tongue speaking camp. But I was a tongue-speaking, non-tongue speaker. 
It was kind of a good thing, though, because I hung out with the tongue speakers and the non-tongue speakers. And it was nice to be on both sides at once. And it seemed okay to be in a place where both were good and right. Now, that 15-year-old experience with the Holy Spirit didn't really transfer over to the rest of my life. I mean, I continued on my way in my oppositional worldview, choosing which was the right way and the right thing to be and which was the wrong way thing to be. What, was, what is the right thing to believe and the wrong thing to believe? But the Holy Spirit is always this little secret anomaly in my worldview. I'm still pretty much a non-tongue-speaking tongue speaker. In my limited thinking about the Holy Spirit, like in seminary and after, whenever it comes up, I am committed mostly to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of God that is manifested, most importantly, in community. It's what draws us together, and the revelation of the Holy Spirit are those revelations that come out of the experience of being in community. I love studying the Bible with other people, and often I am amazed at the things we find together in the Bible, things that I never have thought of or considered. I think that is the Holy Spirit. I've even argued against the personalization of the Spirit, but mostly I have not thought about the Holy Spirit that much, and have not thought that much about my experiences as a teen missionary. So this is some of the background that I brought to the text when I read this for this sermon. Jesus says that he's going away and he will send the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit will teach them and remind them of what Jesus taught and they will have peace. Peace like the world cannot give. When I read this text, I feel like I should talk about the Holy Spirit, but I just did not know what to do with it. I thought about the Holy Spirit and read books about the Holy Spirit and commentaries. And the more I read, I just felt like, I don't know what the Holy Spirit is, or what I should say the Holy Spirit is. I felt like I needed to come down on one side or the other. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus that you receive in your heart at conversion, or the Holy Spirit is the wild Spirit of God that blows where it will. I read and read about the Spirit in the Bible, and it seemed like the Spirit did every kind of thing imaginable. I couldn't say that the Spirit was one thing, that the Holy Spirit, no, the Holy Spirit was like all kinds of things. I was talking about this with my friend and German scholar, Jake, and he told me that in German, Geist means both things. Geist means like a ghost that can do things like haunt or enter people's hearts, but Geist, that Geist can be an individual, but Geist is also like a non-individual spirit, a general kind of spirit, like Zeitgeist, the spirit of the time. The, the Heilige Geist, which is the Holy Spirit, is both particular and general. In the particular spirit of Jesus, it is the particular spirit of Jesus that comes to us in God with us, and the spirit of the gospel alive and moving in the world. It is the grace of God. I remembered something like that from Karl Barth, so I read. And this is what I read the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is the initial miracle of grace and the ongoing miracle of grace. The Holy Spirit initiates conversation and continues conversation. Not only, is the, not only in the individual, but in the world. That through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Spirit initiates the miracle of grace of God and continues the unfolding grace of God. 
The Spirit is the grace of God through Jesus. And then I read this. And this is what I was looking for. A sentence, a definition of the Holy Spirit. Something that I could come and say to you. And that would seem true and a definitive about the Holy Spirit. Bart says, The work of the Holy Spirit is to bring and hold together that which is different. That seemed like the best news possible. It's how we can be in relationship with God. He says that it is the spirit which enables Jesus to be both fully God and fully man. And what enables us to be fallen and redeemed individuals. It is played out in the Gospels when Jesus brings together Jews and Gentiles and the clean and the unclean and men and women. It seems amazing and beautiful to me that an integral part of God is the bringing together and holding together of that which is different. That when God was deciding what God was going to be like, God thought, well, a big part of what we're going to be is that, that we bring and hold together those things which are different. And of course, the world cannot see it. That is the opposite of what the world is about. The spirit of the age is about identifying difference and driving things and people apart based on those differences. Batman and Robin are together. One can like both. Apples and oranges are together in one fruit bowl. Wherever there is division and a line drawing and us and them, that is the spirit of the world. Wherever there is both and two sides held in tension, people who are different being brought together and being held together, that is the Holy Spirit. Now this makes me say, want to say something about this community. We have, in our beautiful, beautiful community, people who are both politically liberal and people who are politically conservative. And over the years, some of the people who are more politically conservative tell us pastors that they don't feel like they belong at the House of Mercy. And I guess I can see why. As pastors, we are pretty much liberals. And I guess we don't even know when we're saying things that might be offensive to someone who is not politically liberal. I think in the past we maybe even have made jokes about conservative politicians and policies, which most people here laugh at because most people here are liberals, like us. But I think to our friends who don't agree, it might seem like they themselves are being laughed at by the community, by us pastors, and a community that they love some in our community felt, have always said that they felt that there's some sort of click in House of Mercy that they don't know how to find their way in. All this, these things make me feel like a failure. Like, I'm so happy that the Spirit of God has brought people together that are different. And I pray that we can follow the Spirit in holding those differences together. And I want that for this community. I want it for the world. It is possible, it is possible that it is the will of God that this happened. I think maybe you can make an argument, maybe you can win an argument by focusing on differences, but I don't think you can necessarily build relationships that way. It's hard though because no one wants anyone to talk, walk on eggshells or not be honest about what they think or feel. Conservative folks who talk to us at the House of Mercy, they say they don't want sermons that are self-consciously trying not to offend them. They want to hear what we have to say. They want to be challenged. 
Most people at House of Mercy want to be challenged, but they also want to feel welcome and not like they don't belong. We are part of the body of Christ. We all belong. And it's not in our nature to do so, but through the spirit of Christ, we have a new nature. We have both natures held together. So let us look into the world and look inside of ourselves and recognize that when we see that which is different being held together, let us seek it and say that it is the Holy Spirit at work in the world and at work in our lives. And let us say, without irony, surely the Spirit is in this place. <laughs>